Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Just too good to be true Can't take my eyes off you You'd be like heaven to touch I wanna hold you so much At long last love has arrived And I thank God I'm alive You're just too good to be true The great Frankie Valley singing, I Can't Take My Eyes Off of You. Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons, to be precise. Um, this was a birthday bumper music selection for my uh, cousin Palma. It is my cousin Palma's birthday today, or actually it was technically yesterday, but a uh, happy birthday to Palma. Well, um, 25 years ago, uh, some, some very scary research emerged. And basically, it was suggested that autism was linked to the measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine. And on February 26th, 1998, the now discredited Andrew Wakefield announced he had found a connection between autism and the vaccine. This sparked huge media attention. I mean, uh, Imus couldn't have his wife Deirdre on enough to talk about all the problems with the vaccine, the thimerosal and then this and that. This sparked worldwide reductions in the vaccination uptake because who wanted their child to get uh, autism? Certainly wouldn't want my son to get it. But, turns out, the study wasn't exactly what it seems. However, that does, not, um, that does not stop some people from continuing to raise questions, and sometimes more, about whether or not certain vaccinations cause autism. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. was on Good Day New York in 2014, talking about his book at the time and the connection between certain vaccines and autism. Mercurochrome, which we used to have as a kid, it was that kind of orange ointment that would stay in your clothes or murine eye drops. And it had thimerosal in it, and they found out that it was injuring and even killing people. So FDA ordered it removed from uh, over-the-counter medications after doing a lot of studies that showed, demonstrated its toxicity. CDC at the same time was recommending higher and higher doses of vaccines, and there was thimerosal in those vaccines. And we started to see a giant rise in neurological disorders among our children. It turns out the doctor who 
wrote this study 25 years ago had been paid to find a connection, and he faked his data. And uh, The Lancet retracted the study, and Wakefield's medical license was revoked. And the man who uncovered that fraud, the man who made it all possible, is author and uh, journalist Brian Deere, who's kind enough to join us right now. Brian, thanks so much for joining me on the radio. Oh, good morning, Frank. Uh, good morning to a uh, grey day here in London. Yeah, it's uh, it's a much more civilized time there over there than uh, than it is here. I bet. I think the middle of the night is a very civilized time. <laughs> so do I. So do I. So you wrote the book, uh, The Doctor Who Fooled the World, uh, all about Andrew Wakefield's war on vaccines. Let's talk about your interest in this uh, in this story and in this case. What prompted you to begin investigating the claims in this Andrew Wakefield piece when it was issued 25 years ago? Well, I, I worked at Sunday Times and I um, had done a previous investigation into a different vaccine. Um, and when I saw this paper appear 25 years ago, um, I saw that the claims being made in this, this paper appeared to have been copied in some respect from a previous paper about a different vaccine. And I thought, well, why, why on earth would that be? Vaccines are all different and their technologies are different and how they work are different. And, uh, and so uh, I, I thought, well, that's interesting. I paid attention to it. And I didn't do anything about it. I never wrote anything about it because I, I only do long investigations. And then eventually I was just uh, invited to lunch and somebody, we went through different topics to, as possible investigations. And this, this scare that uh, had been launched came up. Um, and uh, so I, I just had a routine assignment, and um, that was in 2003. So much of the rest of my life has been dominated by all this. So what did you what did you find exactly? Well, what they'd done is that they'd copied over because the the paper that was published 25 years ago was actually commissioned through a firm of lawyers. Nobody knew this. And um, at the time, the lawyers were working off this previous scare over a different vaccine. And in that, uh, what they were claiming was that autism had come on within days of vaccination, which was what you'd have to say if you wanted to get funding to uh, join this lawsuit. And um, and so I started to investigate it and I've ended up doing what no other journalist has ever done, which is to find the patients behind the research. The, 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 the paper itself was a, just a simple case report on 12 children who all appeared to have autism and, all, and nearly all appeared to have um, had this um, autism come on, as I say, within days of vaccination. And that just wasn't true. Uh, the kids have been brought there by the lawyer and by uh, uh, anti-vaccine campaigning groups. The author, this man Wakefield, had changed the data. Some children had been vaccinated um, after the development of their first signs of their autism. Some didn't have any issues for months afterwards. Uh, He altered the times of um, uh, when all various tests were done and the whole thing was a concoction and it was a concoction intended to raise money to get a class action lawsuit up and running Um, and um, subsequently 
all kinds of uh, big research projects were mounted all around the world and nobody could confirm any kind of link between the vaccine and autism, leaving this paper looking really rather exposed as to how he could possibly have got the figures that he got. So the researchers, it, it's pretty clear, were faking their data and they were cheating and, and lying. And you went to the source. You m- tried to meet with the patients and their families and and examined kind of the the story behind the numbers that they were claiming. Yes, I was able to actually perfectly lawfully to actually break through the uh, awesome veil of patient confidentiality and find out exactly what these children's uh, histories and diagnoses and what have you were. Very, very difficult to do and only partly accomplished because um, uh, he had made the mistake of suing me Mm. Um, when we when we first said that he was being paid by lawyers. Uh, and that he'd also uh, developed his own products he was trying to sell. He made the mistake of suing and then tried to stop the lawsuit, but we went to court and the judge ordered him to continue with his lawsuit. And in the course of that, uh, enormous amounts of information were disclosed to me and I was then able to go ahead and research the um, research the thing. Do you have any idea how much uh, he was paid by these lawyers? Uh, in the end, it was about uh, three quarters of a million U.S. dollars at uh, current uh, conversion rate. So wow. it was a very large sum of money. It was eight times his annual salary as a as a medical researcher. And now, as I mentioned, uh, Andrew Wakefield's medical license was revoked. Did anything happen in terms of any sort of punishment or sanction to the attorneys that were paying Wakefield to fake this research? No, you see, they got away with it. This is the thing, like they they vanished below the horizon um, and uh, nothing was done. I think largely because the people who were paying them didn't really want to... um didn't really want the thing to be opened up and uh, I couldn't penetrate uh, legal uh, privilege. I could get past patient confidentiality, but legal privilege would have been a whole other lifetime to uh, get through that. What about the the people that have persisted, uh, forgetting about the data that Wakefield put out in this discredited Mm. study, the people that have persisted since your work uh, 20 years ago, to insist that there's a link between these vaccinations and autism. I played the clip of Robert Kennedy Jr. saying that it's the thimerosal in the vaccines that might uh, lead to an onset of autism. Is there any data at all to suggest that might be the case? Uh, no, this is this is the the, the bizarre aspect to it, is that that issue as well. Uh, I heard that clip of uh, Kennedy talking about this, and he really misrepresented the situation. It was a very similar kind of scenario that the fear of uh, thimerosal, um, which was launched uh, following the previous uh, scare over the fear of uh, the MMR vaccine, was itself again launched by lawyers. What had happened was, was the federal government and the um, uh, American Academy of Pediatrics uh, agreed that as a precautionary measure, thimerosal would be taken out of vaccines because it wasn't needed anymore. It was, a, it was a, um, uh, a, a, an agent for preventing vaccines from becoming contaminated with bacteria and stuff. And it, it, it wasn't needed anymore. So the American Academy of Pediatrics and the government said, well, let's take it out. 
And as soon as they did that, as soon as they took the action to make vaccines safer, they got hit with a lawsuit. And of course, Kennedy is a lawyer, and uh, that's that's again the same thing. And that fell apart as well. No evidence has been established uh, uh, establishing that um, there's any link between um, thimerosal and autism either. The whole thing was an illusion constructed by lawyers and and uh, executed by um, by their um, uh, experts that they find their their paid um, their paid uh, medical advisors. I was talking with Brian Deere. If you're interested in learning more about his work on this case, you could check out the book, The Doctor Who Fooled the World, Andrew Wakefield's War on Vaccines. And you could check out Brian's website at com. That's D-E-E-R.com. I, I've had Robert Kennedy Jr. on this show, and one of the things that he offered when he was on the program is he offered to debate any medical professional on the uh, on vaccinations and vaccines related issues. Now, obviously, you're a journalist, not a doctor. But if he was up for debating you, would you ever consider debating him on the radio with me? Oh, sure. Sure. Absolutely. I, I doubt very much whether he would, because uh, he, he is vulnerable. Um, he's, a, he's, he, he's kind of waded into something that he doesn't understand, but uh, believes that he does. Um, no, I'd have no trouble with Robert Kennedy. <laughs> uh, so do you have any idea what sort of decline in measles vaccination levels there's been over the last 25 years uh, since this Wakefield study? Well, the, 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 the strange thing is this. The, the year-on-year percentages have been falling like by individual percentage points, and, and so people say, well, that's not a lot. But in fact, what happens is over the years, what, you get this constant accumulation of unvaccinated children, unvaccinated people. And they, when you start to add them together, it creates a pool within which the, uh, the viruses can return. And that actually happened in a very serious way back in 2019 when there was a measles outbreak in Samoa. It was kind of a natural experiment of like Wakefield's uh, ideas. Um, they they for, for all kinds of complicated reasons, they stopped vaccinating um, some children, um, a particular age group of children. And as the months passed, that age group of children started to get measles and eventually more than 80 mm. children died in a matter of a few months. What is Andrew Wakefield doing now? Uh, well, he's making videos, which he calls movies, mostly videos in which he stars and which uh, purport to vindicate him. And um, he's basically become an anti-vaccine campaigner and works a, a, a network. Um, what many people won't realize is that across America and around the world, there are like networks now of uh, anti-vaccine campaigners. And he's uh, very much plugged into that because that's his only source of income after having um, lost his license to practice medicine. I'm going to ask you about the COVID-19 vaccine and uh, what your take is on the objections to that in a moment. But I'm sure you're aware that uh, the talk radio audience in the United States, and I imagine this might be an international truth, but it's certainly true in the United States, is incredibly cynical. And the the two of the groups that they are very cynical towards are, 
are one, the government, and two, big pharma, the pharmaceutical industry. And the more profitable a drug company is, the more cynical the audience is about it. So if the government is issuing mandates that you have to take something that's manufactured by the pharmaceutical industry, that immediately raises the ire of a lot of people in this audience who think that the government is in bed with big pharma and that uh, they're going to shove any sort of product that's going to make Big Pharma richer down our our throats. And it seems like some of the vaccine skepticism on both the, the measles vaccine and subsequent vaccines is driven by that skepticism. Is there anything that you can think to say to someone that's distrustful of the pharmaceutical industry and big government that would put them at ease somewhat about the safety of the vaccines that Big Pharma is producing? Well, I said to uh, my editors right at the start of this whole uh, pandemic was that what was needed was to for the public to be able to retain trust in the spokespeople who are putting forward uh, advice to them. Um, and I think really that people have a right to be suspicious of big pharma and government. I think that's quite a healthy thing, particularly in the United States. It's not true in the UK. In the UK, big pharma is not able to advertise medical products in media. Uh, They're they trying to find ways around this. But you, it, it's, it's not lawful to, to put up drug industry product advertising. Whereas in the United States, because television in particular uh, reaches a a highly generalized audience, highly generalized products, i.e. pharmaceuticals, things that people, everybody takes, are really become, have become the staple uh, stream of advertising revenue that supports a huge amount of uh, media. And so that's that's. I think it's understandable that people would be cynical. But I think the 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 the, the real authorities um, are not influenced by that kind of money. And 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 the the, the classic is um, is Anthony Fauci, who I'm sure that's a name everybody's heard of. And I I interviewed him years ago. And he's not a man who's obsessed with money. If he was obsessed with money, um, he wouldn't be working for the for the federal government because you don't earn a lot of money working for the government. Well, although, um, although it, there are, again, the Fauci discussion is a whole separate thing, but uh, the yeah. NAIH scientists are in a position, and correct correct me if I, if I misunderstand this, they are in a position to make um, royalties from some of the products that they've created, aren't they? Oh, yeah, they, um, yeah, inventors of inventors of things usually get a, a, a cut, but it's never a big cut. If you find uh, public uh, doctors working in the in the public sector, they're not making a lot of money compared to what they would be earning if they were they were in uh, private practice. So there's this, this, this it, 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 it's it's. The suspicion of big business, the suspicion of government, I think is, uh, is I think is legitimate and, and in many ways healthy. But what we've seen uh, really has been a tremendous response to the uh, pandemic. And as far as we know, as far as the data shows, um, the uh, the response has been broadly, uh, rather expensively, uh, correct. But 
here's the caveat from me. The whole point of uh, my investigation into into Andrew Wakefield and the fraud back in uh, 25 years ago today was really to try and raise more scepticism about the integrity of biomedical research. So all these research papers that come out mm-hmm. every week um, telling you this and that and that COVID vaccines are good or whatever, whatever, um, need to be scrutinised because that kind of medical publishing, those kind of medical sources are themselves often uh, very suspect for for what they're publishing. And um, as far as the COVID vaccine, have you looked at any of the suggestions that uh, the COVID vaccine is leading to things like uh, myocarditis or Bell's palsy or any of the uh, the so-called sudden deaths that uh, that people are, are attributing in some quarters to the vaccine. Have you looked at the the COVID vaccine concerns at all? Well, what I what I try to do is not to be not to set myself up as a medical authority. Sure. I mean, I'm a journalist and I, I find out who did what and, and I good at investigating uh, misconduct of various kinds. So I don't put myself up as a medical expert. But what I do know is that, that, that there's a there's a tremendous amount of complexity within all these issues that uh, the, the, the public is find, finds it hard to get through, um, hard to understand. And, um, you know, I've had my four uh, COVID uh, shots and um, don't feel any worse for it. Um, and I think that, that we have to place our trust somewhere. Right. Well, fair enough. Hey, uh, tell me about your uh, your your newest book, uh, which looks pretty interesting. Blind Trial. What's this about? Oh, that's my novel. I mean, I think every journalist likes to write a novel, um, and it's uh, that's a novel about um, about uh, two people who meet up at a uh, biotechnology conference, and um, and a doctor complains to a lawyer about um, about patients uh, going missing in a medical trial. So it's uh, it's uh, if anyone's got a Kindle out there and want to read a uh, pharmaceutical orientated thriller, then um, Blind Child's one for them. Hey, before we before we end, Andrew. Wade- Wakefield, I know that he was publicly discredited and he lost his medical license. Did he face any sort of legal uh, issues, any legal punishment for faking the data in this initial study 25 years ago? No, what he did was he he fled to America, and um, the the way we hoped to get him was through one of his uh, uh, lawsuits. He kept bringing lawsuits against us uh, for this, that, and the other. We were hoping to get him for perjury, but um, no. The, the the thing is, the, the bizarre thing is that uh, medical researchers don't have any duty of care to the general public. So you, wow. you there's, there's it's very difficult to raise uh, to find the grounds to uh, to bring a lawsuit against him. I think personally, and a lot of medical journal editors think this, but but never never declare it until after they've uh, retired. I think. Um, Publishing, uh, intentionally publishing false information in scientific journals ought to be a criminal offence of itself, an, an individual criminal offence, not, not, not an attempt to sort of bring civil action, but people, it should be an arrestable offence. People should go to jail for it, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's difficult to... Over, it's difficult to overstate the damage that Andrew Wakefield did to families all over the world, and to think that uh, there was no sort of legal penalty for that. It's it's staggering. Brian Deere, uh, people could check out your website at briandeer dot com. Thanks for the time this morning. 
No, I still with you, Frank. Thank you. If you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, you're welcome to give me a call, 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. 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 Midnight